Grace and mercy and peace to you from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In our gospel reading this evening, Jesus gives an illustration of a shepherd going off to rescue a lost sheep. I think we can picture that scenario, more or less, although personally I've never owned a sheep. However, for years, my family did own a white cat named Homer. I remember one winter, it was January, Homer went missing. He was an outdoor cat, all our cats are outdoor cats. Don't ask me to apologize for that. Um, yeah, cat went missing. It was snowy and cold. Cat went out, northern cats don't care, okay? But he didn't come home. You know, the first few hours was one thing, but then when he was gone for that whole first night, that was another. My mother's face was drawn with worry and concern. You could tell when you talked with her that even though the subject matter might have got into something else, Homer was still constantly on her thoughts. She loved that cat. After the second night, Mom was not sleeping well. In the morning, we'd uh, look around the back by the sliding door at the back there for paw prints in the fresh snow, and there were some. But were they Homer's? Or were they some other cat's or a raccoon? I tried tracking them, but I couldn't make any sense of it. Mom actually followed some paw prints she found out on the, out on the sidewalk. We live in the city. Uh, well, kind of a city, a suburb. I, I, just that we don't have sidewalks here. We did where I lived. Um, a few, for a couple of blocks, she followed these paw prints, but eventually concluded that they actually belonged to somebody's dog. By the, by the time the third night came around, and the temperature had never been above freezing this whole time, of course, we're thinking about the possibility that Homer could be dead. Now, outwardly, Mom was trying to be philosophical about this along with the rest of us, but you could tell in other ways that she was worrying constantly about where that cat might be. Well, the next day, it's been three nights now, the next day, my mom came home from the grocery store. She popped in the house and asked me to help her bring things inside. I put my boots on, and when I came out, well, I did not understand what my mother was doing. With her bare hands... She was digging frantically into the, a heap of ice and snow, you know, put from shoveling the driveway on the other, each side. I said, Mom, what are you doing? <laughs> she said, I heard a meow. It sounded like it came from this snowdrift. She was frantically digging into the snow like a dog. I said, I said, Mom, Mom, hold it, hold it. Let's just listen. We were quiet. I couldn't hear anything. And I was just slightly worried that my mom was losing it. She kept looking around. She kept looking around. Well, I started carrying groceries into the house. When I came out again, she was not even by the car. Mom was on her hands and knees in the snow, in the shrubs in front of the White's house, our next-door neighbor. I heard a cat, she said. It came from over here. Now, if you're, if you're picturing my mom, I don't know, some, some hearty farm wife or female lumberjack type who, you know, just does this kind of thing, you've got the wrong picture. As a matter of fact, my mom was not all that well. Nevertheless, there she was, on her stomach, in the snow, in the bushes, digging to find this cat. I, I, I backed her out and I said, Mom, Mom, let me do this. You know, the space behind the bushes in front of the White's house was not that big. And I could see there was no cat. Mom said, I heard a cat. Okay, so now, now with me on all fours back there, I said... Homer? And there, 
where the concrete stairs go up and attach to the front of the house was a little gap between the house and the stairs. It would have made a triangular shape, except that all kinds of ice was around it now. And, but there was still was a little hole about the size of a coffee mug. I said again, Homer? And suddenly, suddenly a little fuzzy face pushed in. Incredible. <laughs> there he was. We had him back. I actually had to use an ice pick to chip the ice away to make the hole big enough to get him out. But we got him. No idea how he got trapped in there in the first place or how long he could have survived. You know, a white cat in the snow in front of the whites. I know, maybe we should have guessed, right? We've, we've talked about this for years. Anyway, mom found him. Homer was home. Can you picture my mother's concern and her determined love for that cat. Can you more than picture it? Can you identify with it? If so, then Jesus is telling us that you are able to picture the concern and the determined love of God. Now, Jesus used a story about a lost sheep and a lost coin, but it's the same story, and it's really about God. His love and His sacrificial search for the lost for the lost. For who exactly? For you. For me. People leave God. They separate from God. By their sins, they get lost, trapped in some hole. And with a love and a concern like my mom's, but more, God left heaven and he came to earth to search for and rescue lost sinners. Snow and ice with bare hands. Jesus let his bare hands be spiked with nails. Whatever it takes. He suffered whatever he had to suffer. Paid whatever price had to be paid in order to get you back. He loves you. Can you picture my mom's love for that cat? Can you picture God's and feel God's love for you? And can you trust this loving God with every aspect of your life? In love, he came searching, and he suffered for you. And also, he suffered, searched and suffered for every person on earth. And I mean for everyone, including the person or persons you're not particularly fond of, that you don't even like. Perhaps you don't care for them, but God cares for them. And his love for them would dig through a snowbank with bare arms to retrieve them. Jesus Christ was actually crucified for them. God's love is huge and it's passionate. It never gives up. And when you really don't like yourself, maybe you feel fed up or disgusted with yourself. You don't deserve to be loved, loved and, and you don't love yourself. There's, even when you feel like that, there's still someone who loves you who is worried sick about you being out in that cold, loveless hole, and who comes digging for you. He calls you by name. Answer with a meow. But let me get back to what happened, the story about the cat. We got Homer out. We felt so happy. I was happy to have the cat back, of course, but also really happy for my mom, 
The stress, the worry, the sleeplessness was off her face in an instant. And in that same instant was replaced by a big smile, by relief, you could see it, by joy. This too, Jesus tells us, is like God in heaven. Jesus said that there is joy in heaven over even one sinner who repents, who changes how they think and comes to God. If you can identify with how my mom felt, then you understand something about how God feels when he gets you. Or indeed, when he gets anyone back. The angels too, Jesus said, feel joy over all this. So there we were back in the house with Homer, feeling very joyful. And what did the cat do? He walked past us like he didn't care at all. He ignored us. He found some cat biscuits in his dish. We quickly gave him some more. He ate those, sauntered past, and went to the big chair in the family room to lie down. Didn't give us a thought. I tell you what, after what we had invested emotionally and physically in the search and rescue of that cat, <laughs> we looked at each other a bit shocked. I mean, we kind of laughed, but we were also actually a bit shocked. I mean, think, I think I, I could put up with the cat ignoring me, but how could he ignore my mom? It seemed incredible. There's an old joke about the difference between cats and dogs. You've probably heard it because I have actually told it before. But anyway, it goes like this. What's the difference between a dog and a cat? A dog says, you shelter me, you feed me, you pet me, you love me, you must be God. A cat says, you shelter me, you feed me, you pet me, you love me, I must be God. <laughs> What's the point of telling this joke? Well, because spiritually, there are dog Christians and cat Christians. You find a very different spirituality, a very different inner attitude between people who both call themselves Christians. Now, I want to stress that outwardly, they look the same. You can't tell the difference by looking at their appearance. It's not like, see that guy at the end of the pew with his tongue hanging out? He's a dog Christian. No. It's not like that. It's something inside. It's something in the heart. Now, inside... Cat Christians never actually say, I must be God. But they do say, it's all about me. Or something very like that. If there's a group of cats, they say, it's all about us. God not only died for me, now he lives for me, too. But dog Christians say, God died for me, and now I live for him. <laughs> okay, right? Think about how dogs are. They're focused on their owners. They look at them, they wag their tails, they're praising their masters. Dogs bark in happiness when their masters come home and they give them all kinds of attention. And dogs are happy to be trained by their masters. They learn to obey them, makes them happy. But you can't train a cat to do anything. And a cat is not going to obey you. As the other old joke goes, dogs have masters, but cats have staff. Theologically, Dog Christians want to obey God, but cats want God to do it their way. You do my stuff. Whether you are a cat or a dog affects how you read the Bible and what you notice when you read it. 
For example, in our Old Testament reading today, cats notice that God was going to send a plague of flies on their enemies, the Egyptians, so that they would be let go. Dogs notice that too, what God does for them, and they feel glad about that. There's similarity there. But dogs also notice that God says, let my people go that they may serve me. I put it in bold so we would notice. They're going to be living now for God, serving God, glorifying God. Cats don't pay attention to that at all. It's only about what God does for them. God does do a lot for us, but cats, they just stop there. Do you know the third commandment? Actually, that's pretty significant right there that God gives commandments. But cats tend not to pay attention. Anyway, the third commandment is, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, what do you think that means? It means that we should glorify God, not ourselves, and not despise preaching and God's word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear it, learn it. And God has given us a pattern for focusing on this, um, focusing on this especially, a pattern of every seven days. Question, have, have you ever broken that commandment? You know, it'd be interesting if I said, have, have you ever broken the commandment to not murder? <laughs> but this one, oh, come on. Really, why? It's a commandment. Have you ever broken this commandment? Now, I don't, I really don't mean to judge. This isn't about you or anyone else being put down. I, I just want to point out, as a matter of fact, that the majority of Christians in a given year break this commandment more than they keep it. There are 52 Sabbaths in a year. The commandment says, come to worship the Lord. Glorify Him 52 times a year. Now the dogs say, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> praise my Savior and worship. <laughs> Sing and bark and praise the Lord. And hearing my master's voice in Scripture, oh boy, being encouraged, being trained, and helped to obey Him I have experience of how great my master is, how amazing his grace is, and tail wagging, this is great, this is great. But the cats say, 52 times a year? Well, I, I went on Christmas, so that must count for 10. But the thing is, the thing is I don't want to go to worship every week. There's other things I want to do. There's other things that make me happy. You know, I'm, I'm sure that's true. Let, let's talk about it. What are those things? Well, cats would say, what, what makes me happy? Well, things like entertainment and athletics and relaxing and achieving success and keeping up and blending in with what my neighbors are doing. Right. Those are examples. There's other examples of the kinds of happiness that people pursue instead of worshiping God. The thing is, the thing is, whatever you are looking to, get this, whatever you are looking to for your happiness, for your greatest happiness, is your God. Whatever you are looking to for your fulfillment, for your identity, you're actually getting your identity from it, your, your meaning, your highest happiness. It's, it's not like you're skipping worship to do these things. You're worshiping these things. They are your gods. 
Dogs worship their owner and master, while cats pick their own gods. Other things they think are going to make them happier. Thus, breaking the third commandment is really just a way of breaking the first, which commands us, you shall have no other gods. So what are you saying, Pastor? Give up happiness and in exchange keep God's commandments? I'm certainly not saying that. Although I, I know that, that's, that's how it feels, to, to a cat at least. Um, it feels like I, I can go to worship or I can do something that actually makes me happy. However, that's not the choice I'm putting before you because that's not what real Christianity is saying. I'm not saying give up happiness at all. On contrary, I'm saying go for more, much more. Go for much more happiness. I don't know why it is that a cat, I mean now a real cat, cannot see how great and happy it is to hang out with its owner, to glorify and respond to its owner. But, a, but, but that a Labrador retriever can. I don't know why a dog is so happy to focus on its master, to spend time with it at home or in the park, wherever, hear his voice, be trained by him, go with him everywhere, while a cat seeks merely to be fed, be comfortable, do its own thing, and maybe chase a string. Okay? I'm saying I do not know why cats settle for so much less so much less life and so much less love than dogs do. But I am drawing the parallel that entertainment, athletics, or whatever it is, it's not bad, it's just too little. It's like chasing a piece of wool across the floor when you could be on an adventure following the creator and savior of the world. The things cats pick are fun, sure. They do make them happy for a few minutes, a few hours. But they're nothing compared to knowing God, growing and knowing Him better, glorifying Him with everything you've got, being with Him and learning to obey Him everywhere you go. There's no comparison. Christianity isn't saying give up happiness. It's saying go for much more. If you're a cat, you're missing out. And I don't know why cats don't know that. Jesus one time said, that the kingdom of God was like a man going through a field who kicked at a rock and found underneath that there was a treasure chest. In his joy, he went and sold everything he had to buy that field so that the treasure would belong to him. That man was a dog Christian. But cats walk through the field ignoring what's right beneath their feet. I've now been a pastor for 30 years and I'm at the point where I no longer want to ask someone if they believe in Jesus. Why not? Because who doesn't? People who rip off their employees say they believe in Jesus. White supremacists say they believe in Jesus. Old people who haven't been in worship for 40 years say they believe in Jesus. What does it mean? They claim to be salt but they have no saltiness. What does that mean? No, I want to ask a different question. Have you discovered the treasure? Have you received Jesus as your treasure? Not just the one who gives you treasure, but the one who is your treasure. The one you treasure above anything else. You say, I, I don't know. I've, I might like to. 
How, how can I? Yeah, it's a big change from going from being a cat to a dog. Remember, it's a heart change. You're going to be focused now on real and lasting happiness, on real treasure, on the Lord himself. To do that, it's a big change. How do I? Offer him your heart. That's like way down deep. The center of your being, what you're all about. Offer him your heart. A cat's prayers are mostly about God, getting God to make them more comfortable. Now, dogs like comfort too. It's just not what they're mostly about. A, you know, a dog will jump into a cold lake to fetch a, fisbee, fetch a frisbee if that's what the master wants. <laughs> what I'm saying is that the way forward is not to worship comfort anymore, not to have it be the main thing or any other idol, but to surrender your heart to God as your Savior and your Master. To look for happiness to the one who, to rescue you, demonstrated love for you, not unlike a determined woman digging through a January snowdrift with her bare hands. For you, he was digging. To look, in fact, to the God who came from heaven to earth for you, suffered and died in your place to rescue you. Look to this God and this love also to his resurrection power, and ask, honestly, is there going to be any happiness anywhere better than knowing him and knowing him better and living for him? Get the answer to that. Then, surrender your heart to him. Amen. Now may the peace of God which transcends all human understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus for life everlasting.